Welcome back to the Blue Corner, and today we're going to be doing our weekly rundown. We're going to be talking about the Fulham game, the Jack Harrison deal, the upcoming Aston Villa game on Sunday, which I'm really looking forward to, and all things about the Wilfred Nonto saga. So once again, joined by Ellis. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. I can't wait for this. A new show concept, and uh, we're going to get straight into it. So yeah, the weekly rundown. Why don't we start with that Fulham game? It was it was an interesting afternoon, wasn't it? Not the result we wanted, you know, a one 0 defeat in the opening day at Goodison. But just talk me through your thoughts, the immediate thoughts after the game, because I think we we may have a a little bit of a different opinion on this one. Yeah, I wasn't as down as I know that other fans were, including you. Actually, I was I was relatively content with the performance. I thought that we did play well at times, and it was just the usual case of not being able to put the ball in the back of the net, which is a big problem, of course. It's not just a case of, oh yeah, that was a minor issue in an otherwise good day. That is the main problem because if you want to win football games, you have to score. But I thought we created enough chances and I, as seen by all the stats, we deserve to win the game. And everyone called it though. That's what was annoying for me. Everyone knew that when it started to get to the uh, last half an hour, everyone felt like it was going to shift at one point and we weren't going to quite get that goal and they'd end up nicking it. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think that the sucker punch was coming, wasn't it? That that kind of goal that in the last 10, 15 minutes that, you know, we always seem to concede, don't we? And as you say there, it's it's the, the chances in front of the goal, which we didn't take, I think were our biggest problem. My immediate response to the game was I was I was very angry and I thought that we, we could have, you know, taken our chances and, and actually won the game, as you said there. But, you know, I've let it settle for a few days and, and I've I've kind of come to terms that, you know, we didn't actually play that badly. And I think if we play like that for the rest of the season, we will actually be okay. And we will manage to pick up points here and there. And I think if you play like that on the road, our away form will will massively pick up. I think there was a few standout performers. I think James Tarkowski had a decent game. I think he was unlucky to not score right at the end. And it's probably going to shock a lot of people, but I thought Neil Mopay had a good game. And a lot of people will be saying, you know, he missed four or five good chances. He, he had a terrible game, but... If you look at his link-up play, if you look at how well his work rate was in, in that game, I think he, he did have a very good game. And we know he's not 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 got that ability in front of goal. We know he's not going to be a 20-goal-a-season striker. He might get you 10 if he has a very good season. In a system with, with Sean Dyche as the manager, he's not the striker to be in that system. So you, you're putting a square peg in a round hole and it's, it's not going to work. He did well considering the circumstances. His hold-up play, his link-up play was decent. And I thought his work rate had gone up tenfold since what we saw last season. I think last season we saw a player that looked very lethargic looked like a, a player that didn't want to be at the club whereas for me his performance on Saturday looked like he wanted to fight for his place and I know he didn't get the the positive response in front of goal because he didn't score and he had plenty of chances to do so which you, you can't deny but for me he, he had a decent game in his link-up play and I think if he was to play in a two with Calvert-Lewin or you know if we, if we were to bring in another striker I think he would have a better performance but yeah that's that's enough on my on my Mope run. <laughs> He certainly didn't look like a player ready to go out the door. I thought that he really did fight. And, you know, that's not what you'd expect from a player who a lot of people seem to think is guaranteed to be leaving this transfer window. And I still think there's a chance that he might. But I agree with you that he did play well. And I feel like he's a scapegoat nowadays. If he misses one chance, a chance that most people might miss, he will get stick for it. That's just the way it's gone and that's what happens with footballers and it shouldn't happen and we completely condemn the abuse that he got on social media it's oh, so wrong yeah it's absolutely awful that he's had to experience that but as a player like you say he was all right and he worked very hard and 
he offered a lot more than he has previously. And I was absolutely gutted for him when he didn't put that away in the first minute because that really could have changed things for him. Sometimes footballers need a turning point, don't they? And I feel like his confidence is completely short at the minute. And if that had just gone in at the start of the game, like what a difference that would have done for him. And I feel like then he, he maybe would have took one of the chances later on, but it didn't happen. And I hope for him that he does get a goal eventually if he is to yeah. stay at Everton because... He's one of them players that, you know, he's he's definitely not an awful footballer. There's a reason why he got eight goals at Brighton in a season and he's obviously capable of scoring. But when your confidence is shot, that's so important for a striker and it really can ruin your performances, can't it? Yeah, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but he knows where the net is. You know, you're not Brighton's top goal scorer in the Premier League for, for no reason. He he does know where the goal is and he is a, a, a natural finisher. He's just lost his way a little bit and... I think in that performance on Saturday, I think it was really evident that he's lost his way in front of goal because he was doing all the right things. I do think there is a player in there. He just needs to find his way in front of goal. And this season, we're not going to be signing many more attacking options, I don't think, in the rest of this window. We'll, we'll get on to Jack Harrison in a minute and obviously the, the possible signing of Wilfred Nonto. But for me, I think Mope will stay, at least until January. And, you know, if he is going to get... 10, 15 appearances between now and January and, and fight for his place. I, I hope he does well because I think there is a player in there and he just needs to find his way a little bit because Saturday showed me that there's definitely still still life in the old dog yet and he, he could definitely, you know, at least get three or four goals between now and January. I'm rooting for the lad now completely and, you know, he worked hard. So the fact that he the fact that he wants to play for the football club is a start for me and then hopefully he can build on that because, of course, it's not just about hard work and we do need end product. And hopefully that means that we could get some end product in the transfer window. And we have been linked with a few strikers, but it's gone a bit quiet lately. Number nine wise, who do you want? And do you think we'll actually get one or will Mope still be at the club at the end of the window? You put me on the spot here a little bit with uh, with transfer targets, but obviously we, we, we all know that we need a number nine, you know, Calvert-Lewin, isn't fit at the moment you know he, he might be fit for Sunday's trip to Villa I, I, I'm not 100% sure we'll, we'll have to wait and see on the news in the next 48 hours or so but for me you look at players like Beto who have been linked with from Udinese who who would be a good player a good fit for a Sean Dice system as well Um, you mentioned Che Adams as well in previous podcasts uh, there is a player there who, who will be available from Southampton I don't think that would be the worst deal in the world but I think that will be my last resort. But to, to pinpoint an exact striker in in today's market, I think is difficult because, you know, we're in a, a situation where our budget isn't the biggest. We, we can't, you know, spend large sums of money on, on players up front. We have to do it in installments and, and low down payments. But yeah, to, put, to give you a name is probably quite difficult. Who would you go? I, th- I think you're right about the fact that we're not shopping in a huge market and we can't just look at, players like Newcastle could with Alexander Isak and just throw 70 million at him we can't do that of course and you know we have to be a bit realistic with the kind of striker that we're going to bring in but Beto is one that I like the look of as well of course he's in the in the Serie A so you can't guarantee that that's going to transfer to the Premier League but profile wise he seems to fit it Che Adams he is the right profile he's physical but his goal record worries me and We've shared our concerns about that, but I'd hope that if he does come in, 
just for the fact that how he could help the other players might be useful. Passing Dak is another one. He's pacey, he's powerful. I feel like he was misused a bit at Leicester, so he's an option that still seems to be on the cards. But I just really hope they actually do get one because the rumours are a bit too quiet for me at the minute. The striker situation doesn't seem to be the main priority at the minute, but the main priority seems to be on the wings. And we've just solved one of our winger problems we definitely needed a couple and we might need another if Damari Gray leaves and we've signed Jack Harrison on loan from Leeds and we can potentially turn that permanent what are your initial thoughts on the signing a lot of people are going to be a little bit disappointed with my reaction to the signing because you know there's a decent player in there he's he's quite pacey he's a little bit direct but for me the resources on a on a domestic loan could have been used better and for me striker is the number one priority and with Jack Harrison, I don't think he's the player that everyone's bigging him up to be. He's, he's had a decent few spells at Leeds, and he obviously when they made that permanent, I think he, you know, he felt comfortable in that Leeds team. But the problem is, if you're signing relegated players, you eventually become the relegated club. And for me, I think it's a big risk signing Jack Harrison because, again, as I said before, resources aren't a, a large surplus. You know, we haven't got a lot of money to be thrown around on players. We haven't got a lot of, you know we haven't got the ability to use loans like we have done in previous years. We we have to use loans as a, you know, as a player that's going to walk straight into the first team. And for me with Jack Harrison, I, I don't see how he is much better than Damari Gray. I know it sounds mad. And I think Damari Gray, you know, he, he's lost his way at Everton a little bit, but it's, it's a difficult one because a lot of people will be happy Jack Harrison, but Damari Gray has a better end product. He's more direct. He's more pacey. And for me, I think he could have been handled a little bit better at Everton and I think his situation isn't the isn't the greatest at the moment but you know Jack Harrison will do his his defensive bit I think he works probably better in a Sean Dyche system so there is positives to take from that transfer but going forward Damari Gray is is a better outfit I feel like Jack Harrison is a good signing and I don't think it's much of a risk actually because we found out that it's no fee on the loan which is of course a great thing because a lot of the time nowadays you do have to pay a loan fee as we did with Dan Juma but Jack Harrison fits the Sean Dyche system. He works hard, which is definitely not the only thing we're signing him for. The big thing for me, he got 12 goals and assists last year, which is more contributions than any of our other wingers this year. And compared to Damari Gray, he seems to fit the way we want to play a lot more. He's a bit similar to McNeil in that sense, and he can play on the right, which is his preferred wing for a start. He is left-footed, but he'll be playing on the right. And... From what I've seen, he's got a very good left foot and hopefully he can take a few more shots because a lot of our players don't take enough shots. You mentioned Damari Gray. That situation seems to be at the point where it's now inevitable that he leaves. It seems like he's gone now. I'm quite pleased with Harrison. Another player we've been strongly linked with is Wilfred Nonto, who is also from Leeds, but is a completely different player to Jack Harrison. He's young, he's 19, he's explosive, but of course he's not the finished article yet. What do you think of Nonto and what do you think of the situation? See, the situation worries me a little bit because there's been rumours today, hasn't there, of a third bid going in. I'm I'm not sure if that's true. I'll I'll hold my hands up. I'm not 100% sure if that's been confirmed or not. But for me, I think it's, it's this one or bust. I think if you get the third bid rejected, you have to move on to other targets. You know, we've been linked with Johan Bakayoko from PSV, who's... Uh, a very highly weighted, highly rated winger. So, 
I think there is other targets out there, but with Wilfred Nonto, is he's an exciting player. There's there's no doubt about that. He is a fantastic player, and I think if we can manage to get him for the for the fee that's been touted about of around twenty five million pounds, I think that's great business because as you say, he's a raw talent, but he's young. He's got a huge future ahead of him, and I think he he is you know he showed last season that he's a Premier League footballer already. So you can only go from strength to strength on top of that. Um, but for me, I don't think he's worth any more that that than the the twenty five million that has been touted about. I think. If, they, if Leeds were to reject that, I think then you have to move on to other targets and just let him be Leeds' problem for the season because he clearly doesn't want to be there. And I think, for me, if, if Leeds want to play hardball, let him be their problem and, and we have to move on because we have to be strong on these on these situations that which we haven't been in the past. Yeah, Leeds have been so difficult with the situation, which you would be if you had a player who you're desperate to keep. But the fact is the player doesn't want to be there now and... He's forced his way out, hasn't he? Hopefully he actually gets out, but he seems to be forcing his way out at the minute. And he isn't training, he isn't playing for them, so it seems like he's only going to go one way. But if Leeds are really going to be stubborn with it and won't let him go, then it doesn't make much sense for them because they then don't get the money for a player who is not going to get involved. They are banking on him to retreat a bit and actually rejoin the first team and... I don't imagine a player who's so set on leaving would want to do that. So it's a risky strategy, isn't it? It's a, it's a really risky oh, strategy. Completely, because that also drops his stock, doesn't it? If he doesn't play all season, who's going to then buy him again for twenty five million? Because he's then had a year of not playing, and it's a very difficult situation for them then. And right now, I'd be thinking, if I was Leeds, would you rather have a player who's not playing at all, who can be sold for twenty five million, or get twenty five million and sort your team out and make sure that it comes up again next season? So it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think with Leeds, it's they are playing hardball. I think they 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 haven't had the best relations with Everton over the last few years, have they? And I don't think they are the 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 happiest club with us at the moment. But again, business is business. If they've got a twenty five million pound asset sat on the bench, they're not going to like it. So it, it's all about playing that game of cat and mouse and, and who's going to break first. And I think it'd be an interesting saga in the, in the last few weeks of the window, but we can't wait forever. We have to do our, our business soon and we have to get goals into this squad because we are lacking at the moment. Yeah, it's going to go down to the wire, I think. And as long as we have before that deadline, as long as we have a number nine and hopefully Wilfred Nonto or a, another winger, then I'll be relatively happy with that. I think it'll be a good window. If we also got a centre-back, I think that'd be an unbelievable mm. window, but I don't want to ask for too much with, what, two weeks to go. What would be your ideal window? Uh, obviously, Nonto coming in would be ideal. Um, a number nine, I'm, I'm not going to give you a name because there's there's plenty out there, and I think I'll leave that to Kevin Thelwell and Sean Dice to work that one out. Um, and again, yeah, centre-back, you, you could look at maybe a young centre-back to come in, or if you look at maybe Taylor Harwood-Bellis from Manchester City, I think he is a, a very interesting prospect, had a good loan spell at Burnley, and, you know, I think he's ready to make that Premier League step. If we manage to get him on a loan deal, I think that would be a, a very good signing, but yeah, Nonto, a striker, and I'll go with Harwood-Bellis to come in. I know we've not really been linked, but I think that will be a very, very good signing. I think that'd be a great end to the window because then you have rectified the three current voids in the squad. And I think then you'd be looking going, this team surely cannot be in another relegation battle. I feel like it would be more than equipped to finish mid-table, at least at that point. But we've already started the season and we've talked about the Fulham game, but we haven't played away yet. And we're about to play away on Sunday at Villa Park and we're going to be going down like we always do. 
But looking ahead to that game, Villa lost 5-1 to Newcastle at the weekend. It's a terrible start to their season. What are you thinking ahead of the Aston Villa game? Oh, I cannot wait. Get me back in that away end is what I say. It's It's been a long break, hasn't it, with the, without away games. And I think, you know, it'll be the long-awaited return. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. In terms of the game itself, it'll be a very tough game, won't it? You know, Villa coming off the back of that embarrassing defeat at St. James's Park against Newcastle. I think they're going to be right up for revenge in terms of, you know, kickstarting their season and that they'll want to impress the home crowd. Um, yeah, tough game. I think Calvert-Lewin has to be fit for me if, if we are going to get anything from the game. I think you need to 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 have a long ball target man to hit in those kind of games, and especially with without uh, Tyrone Mings after he got that, that horrific injury at Newcastle. I think if we were managed to have Calvert-Lewin fit, I think that'd be that'd be huge for our chances. But I'm going to be positive. I think we, we can get something from the game because I wasn't looking at them against Newcastle thinking these are a fantastic team. You know, they've got good players. Like, we, we can't deny they've got good players. They've got Kamara, Moussa Diaby, the new sign, and he looked fantastic against Newcastle. And he showed glimpses, so he'll want to impress his new home fans. But for me, there's there's no reason why we can't at least get a draw or even nick a, nick a, a victory. And I'll be positive and I'll say we'll, we'll win 1-0. That would be huge, wouldn't it? A victory would be absolutely huge on the road to start the season. I'm feeling okay about it. I think I was feeling a lot worse until they got thrashed by Newcastle and that Mm. kind of brought them back down to earth a bit and maybe has piled pressure on them for the home game. Of course, when we play our first home game, we were under a lot of pressure because there's that expectation and it'll be the same for their fans. So we'll have to see how it goes, but... I think if we remain resolute and stay organised like we did in the latter performances away from home, I feel like there's no reason why we can't get something out of the game and hopefully we actually take the chances that we create because you don't get half as many away from home and if we create a chance and put it away, then they know how wild that away end's going to go and we'll be in it and we'll enjoy every second of it. But we'd love to start the season with an away win because how long did we wait for an away win last time? We waited till Southampton and then after that, we didn't get many more. So we could do with a few more away wins this year for our for our journeys and our troubles that we make. <laughs> oh, definitely. I think, what was it, two away league wins last season and, you know, a Fleetwood in the cup, which which can't really be too, too much accounted for. Yeah, I think it'd be a, a good start to the season, a good start to the away performances this season. And if we do manage to get a victory, it'd be, it'd be fantastic. And what, what a way to do it at Villa because they had a fantastic end to the season last year. And I think if we were managed to beat a top team like Villa, I think that'd be that'd be really good. And it would set us up well for the rest of the season. I think I'm going to make a, a bold prediction now because all week I've been thinking we'll, we'll just get a draw. We'll hopefully somehow nick a point and then I'd be more than happy with that. But I'm going to go with 2-0 Everton. My thought process basically is that we get the goal and the pressure piles on Aston Villa and eventually we get a bit of a sucker punch and make it 2-0. If we score two goals away to Villa, then the title party started. <laughs> wow. This is like, imagine if you compared a game or two hours blue corner to the end of last season where we were just down in the dumps. <laughs> where, where's this positivity come from? It's mental. This is what we want. Hopefully we're still like this in 30 <laughs> games. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. It's the start of the away games. I'm sure we'll be going to most of them this year. I can't wait for it. I'm sure you can't as well. And then after that, there's, there's quite a decent run of fixtures really, isn't there? It's not really the worst start to the season in terms of games. Yeah. I mean, before the derby, I think we've we've got a, a few games there which we, we should be getting results in. I think if we do manage to get results in, I think it'll just set us up well for the season. And I think if as long as we have a boring season, I think we've said that in our predictions about 50 times, as long as we have a boring season and finish mid-table, we're happy. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's bring us that boring season, get us in 12 or something like that. would just be fantastic. But that's all for our weekly roundup of the Everton situation this week. Hopefully, we talk next week after a win at Aston Villa. But before we go, it's just absolutely heartbreaking that we found out that Michael Jones lost his life at Bramley Moor Dock last week. It's just devastating news, to be honest. No one should go to work and not come home. And for an Evertonian to have lost his life there, for anyone to have lost their life, there's devastating. But it's a blue as well. And just all thoughts with his family. I'm sure you echo that. Oh, yeah, 100%. I echo all thoughts there. I think it's, it's I was devastated to hear the news. And, you know, no one should, should have to go through it. And no family should have to go through that. So all the best for his family and just they're in my thoughts at the moment definitely mate definitely but that's all from our weekly rundown this week hopefully you enjoyed it and we'll be back next week see you in a bit